I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. I did the explore thing. I know. Now you're aware of it. I know. And you just gave me a look as I said it, too. Like, I heard you. I was like, I heard you. I heard what you just said. (laughs) I'm doing my best, okay? As are we all. So this is a mini episode, and this is where we talk to you guys about some stuff that's going on in the news. Uh, Like usual, we usually start with the worst. We try to go to the best. Yes, um, Mine are all kind of middle of the road ish. I, just I have, have one like, that's slightly worse. I have two main ones. One of mine is slightly worse than the other, but none of mine are like bad. Yeah, none it's of mine bad, are. But it's not like yeah. None of mine are tragic. Okay. You know, um, Mrs. Pence, Karen Pence, Mike Pence's wife, our second lady. Have you heard Ms. about this yet? No, but just you calling her Mrs. Pence. Mrs. Just Pence made me kind of look at you like. Well, I mean, okay. come on, he calls her mother. So what? at least I, you didn't know that? No. That's a running joke. Yeah, Mike Pence call, calls his wife mother. That's so creepy. Like Bates Motel creepy. Yeah, it's very Bates, it's very Norman Batesy. Yeah. It's a little like um Handmaid's Tale-ish. It's very uncomfortable. Oh, I don't uh, like it. I don't, I don't like, like it either. It yeah, he's not alone with other women because the temptation or whatever. Like he won't take dinner meetings with other women alone with them. Because of his, like, Christian faith or whatever. And he calls her mother. Which I'm like, what does she call him? Does she call him father? I hope not. What if she calls him daddy? No! <gasps> daddy? Look at, look at the spike in the oh, audio God. there. Daddy? Oh, that's, like, my least favorite thing. I did that as a joke, like, a couple of weeks ago. And I was just like, nope! Oh, it squicks me out so bad. No, I don't like it. Look, if that's your kink, we're not here to kink shame. Not like, at all. You do you. personally... Yeah, I I just can't do it. I can't do it with a straight face. No, and maybe it's like my daddy issues pushing me like the other way where I'm like, 
No. It would either gross me out or make me laugh, but it wouldn't, like, it, it wouldn't fulfill any other kind of purpose. I would me. have to say it, like, in a very, like, joking manner, but even being like, hey, daddy, I'd be like, sup, oh. daddy? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, so. <laughs> so um, what, did, what did Mrs. Daddy, mother, So do? mother, she went back to work. I guess she missed teaching as the second lady of the United States. Okay. So she went back to work as a teacher at the school that she had been working at um, for like 12 years or something. Okay. While Mike Pence was in Congress. I think he was in Congress. Mm-hmm. And it is the Emanuel Christian School in Virginia. Of course it is. This school is... Wait, so she's living in Virginia now? Well, yeah. Washington, D.C. is, like, right by... That's true. Right by there. So um, this school is super anti-gay. Um, they do not allow gay students or teachers. That is shocking, Keegan. I am shocked to my very core. It's not shocking... Because well, that, of who the Pences are, exactly. It's shocking that it's ha- that it's a school that exists it's, in the United States yes, today. Yes, but it doesn't surprise me that like a Pence would work at a school. Yeah, that's yeah. That because way. with all of our, you know, we posted that thing about um, Trump getting impeached. That like joking <laughs> meme about him yeah. getting impeached uh, today, and someone did comment and was like, "I don't want Pence as a president, though." And it is good to remind ourselves that yeah, Pence would be a pretty horrific president. Yeah, he really would. Um, because of things like this, yeah. so. The school is super anti-gay. They don't allow gay students or teachers, which I'm like, that's not really something you can ban, especially yeah. students. Like, what do you, you can't... do? Like, you go like if you're a teacher and you go into like your interview and they're like, are you gay? Like that's such well, a yes, weird... yes, and that's we're gonna we're gonna get to that. All right. Um, they... But then with students, it's like you just with I students, guess they just wouldn't be able to say they wouldn't be able to say it. I, they and they would just and like what shame if them. Like, what if there's like another student that's like, I think so and so is gay. I don't know what the nature of that is like. Um, I imagine it has to be, be a thing. great way to get like revenge on someone if you're a dick bully at school. I assume it has to be a thing. I, it has to be. I'm sure it is. Okay, so um, they don't allow any gay messaging, quote unquote, at their facility. No grinder. <laughs> no. Oh God, no. Can you imagine if they found grinder on your phone? Um, and the 2018 employment application also makes candidates sign a pledge not to engage in homosexual activity or violate the quote-unquote unique roles of male and female. Which, what the fuck does that even mean? That's such a broad... Is that like anal sex? The unique roles of male and female. Because that, to me, sounds like a man and woman together, but still partaking in something that could be perceived as gay? Well, um, as someone who grew up highly Christian in kind of like a similar sort of situation, um, not quite as similar to this, but I think they mean traditional gender roles more than they mean immediate sex. Like sex acts, okay. Um, But they do... Because you know Mike Pence. Yeah. (laughs) You know that's what he likes. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) Call me daddy and do it in the butt. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretend your name is Brian. Oh, God. He's for sure, he's for sure, like, all of these guys are closeted. Oh, for like, sure. how many times There's have we seen There's a reason that you're such an asshole about no it. No one needs to be this passionate about this issue. No. Like, nobody. Just love yourself, Mike Pence. Um, Just accept yourself, love yourself. It's very weird. But uh, they, it also said in this... So the employees got this, like, employment application that they have to fill out. Okay. And in this employment application, it says, moral misconduct, moral misconduct which violates the bona fide occupational qualifications for employees, includes, but is not limited to, such behaviors as the following. Heterosexual activity outside of marriage, e.g. premarital sex, cohabitation, extramarital sex, 
homosexual or lesbian sexual activity, polygamy, transgender identity, any other violation of the unique roles of male and female, so that answers that, mm-hmm. uh, sexual harassment, use or viewing of pornographic materials or websites. Can't do any of that. Um, the application says that the school believes... So they want, like, nuns and brothers, basically. They just want you to be very highly Christian. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no sex until marriage, and then only with someone of the opposite gender. And then it's only missionary. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. We're just going to cut a hole in the sheet. Um, <laughs> Handmaid's, Handmaid's Tale style. style. Yeah, exactly. Um, the application says that the school believes marriage unites one man and one woman, and that a wife is commanded to submit to her husband Ugh. as the church submits to Christ. Ugh. The application asks potential employees to explain their view of the creation slash evolution debate. This is all in the job application. So Fun. you need to answer these questions before you can even work there, which why would you want to? Sign me up. But that is a strong indicator of, not that we didn't already know this, because of Mike Pence, but it is right. a very strong indicator of what Karen Pence's beliefs are. Mm-hmm. Because in order to get hired here, she has to say X, Y, Z and fill out an application that says as much. Right. Um, there is also a parent agreement, which <sighs> asks parents to cooperate in its, quote, biblical morality policy. Under this policy, parents are to acknowledge the sanctity of marriage as a strictly heterosexual practice. Families who condone, practice, or support, quote, sexual immorality, homosexual activity, or bisexual activity go against the principles of the school per the document. And that is all from the Huffington Post. Um, It sounds horrible. And all I can ever think whenever we cover things like this yeah. is our coming out episode yeah. and how much damage these poor kids are being subjected to. Yeah. Even if you are not gay, right. having to be subjected to an environment like this is so repressive yeah. and damaging. It's so stifling. It, it really, I mean, honestly, as someone who I feel like was parented very well and um, is not gay, this environment was so toxic. It was such yeah. a toxic environment for me as someone who was coming into my sexuality because it yeah. it mingled sexuality with so much shame. Yeah, and exactly. Sex, and sex with so much shame. Yeah. Um that it it really like fucked me up for a little while trying yeah. to like figure out what Because when you're going through puberty, those are normal things to think about, to wonder about, and for all of that to just be completely stifled and shut down. You're not allowing that child to grow. Right, and seen as something very dirty as well. Yeah. Um, The Emmanuel uh, Bible Church... Uh, In the Emmanuel Bible Church, the school's parent house of worship, women are only permitted to teach scripture to children, teenagers, (sighs) and other women, never to men. Health classes begin in the fifth grade, and they are taught from a distinctly biblical perspective, which I'm guessing is abstinence only and very, very um, coded language for any kind of sexual function. Um, They also teach girls from a book called Secret Keeper, The Delicate Power of Modesty, Mm. which has some deeply troubling passages about cultural norms and modesty. Really? I would never have guessed it from that Um, title. Yeah, and a lot of that is stuff that I can very closely relate to, Mm -hmm. that, like, your power lies in how modest you are. Mm -hmm. There's one passage in here that not only is super troubling because of the way that it talks about modesty and women's bodies, but is deeply troubling because of the way it talks about other cultures. Oh. So there is a passage in here that says, The culture myths... 
Myth number one, any cultural norm is okay. And I'm going to read this entire passage. India has been showing off the belly for years. Before that, Egypt did it, and often with barely there fabrics just draping the breast. What's the matter with a little belly? Well, most guys will tell you it's pretty powerful in terms of a woman's beauty. You've probably noticed that, too. It's why girls show it off. Song of Solomon noticed. Chapter 7, verse 2, refers to the belly and navel in the description of sexual play. The belly is represented as a place of fruitfulness in in the object desired. I guess you could say that's about sex, huh? <laughs> Madigan's exposing her belly to me, and I'm very aroused. Aren't you? Um, Look at how sexy that belly very button Very sexy is. belly button. Ooh. A very good innie. Thank you. It used to be um, an Audi. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And you can't touch it. It hurts. I didn't. I get a shooting pain all the way down to my hoo-ha when you touch it. I did not know that an yeah. Audi could become an innie. Interesting. I'm, I'm a miracle. What can I say? Sorry, continue. <laughs> That's okay. It says, just because a culture normalizes something that's supposed to be reserved for blushing moments of bliss, it is not okay. Abortion is normal in the United States. States. In the United States. Smoking pot is normal in California. Being in debt is normal in most of the Western world. Don't uh, no be normal. Shit. <laughs> it's it's not always okay. So they're basically saying that other cultures, non-Christian cultures, are yeah. still wrong. For their cultural norms. Yeah. Because it doesn't adhere to modest like, evangelical Christian standards. I'm sorry. The whole debt thing is like, clearly these people have money because it's like, it's we're not choosing to be in yeah, debt. Yeah, we just want I'm to be. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, if I had all hey. of my credit cards paid off yeah. and like I was living a comfy life. Maybe I would agree with you, but like, fuck, I don't want to be living. Maybe talk this to life. your fucking husband, Karen, yeah. about like changing the student loan situation yeah, we mother. got going on right now. Mother, why don't you use your feminine influence for that? That'd be really great. Hmm. Um, so, well, but it's their fault, <sighs> you know. I mean, every yeah, they blame everything on. <laughs> like, yeah, we just want to be in debt. Anyway, yeah. um, so on Thursday, which is the day we're recording, Vice President Pence defended his wife's decision to work at the school, saying the following, To see major news organizations attacking Christian education is deeply offensive to us. Well, I mean, your beliefs are kind of offensive to us. Yeah, that's like a really extreme Christian belief, too, I it, feel it's like. It's very, Like, very, you can be Christian without of course, being hateful. Of course, yes. Okay, we want to say here at Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist that we do not condemn Christians. No, of course no, not. No, of course not. Believe what you want to believe. But, like, this is some shitty stuff. This is shitty. Um, we'll let the critics roll off our backs, the, price, the vice president continued, but this criticism of Christian education should stop. This whole idea... <laughs> Maybe your criticism of the gay community and abortion and minorities and so many other things, maybe that criticism should stop. Well, and framing yourself, taking this victim stance, right? Yeah. Like, framing yourself as such a victim that this stuff yeah. is happening to. And it's like, it's happening because you are holding a hateful stance towards an yeah. entire group of people yeah. that has real-world consequences on that group of people. Yeah. It leads to not only discrimination, but actual physical violence, yeah. even deaths. So I'm sorry that your feelings are hurt. Your feelings are so hurt. But it has real world physical consequences for other people. You you having you teaching these things. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not okay with it. But anyway. So, so I got on Karen. Uh, <laughs> on Karen. Mo mother. Well, mother. Uh to stay on the theme of schools, uh, I know that. You know, we have a lot of listeners that are in the Los Angeles area, 
a lot of our listeners are not, but this is something that's been affecting me lately and that I've been really interested in learning more about, and that is the LAUSD strike that the teachers are on right now in Los Angeles. Yeah. So right now on Thursday, we are on day four of the strike, which is calling for millions more dollars in funding, while the strike itself is has cost the district millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, the child that I take care of goes to a charter school. They need the attendance to keep their money going. Mm-hmm. And right now, there are, it's like a third of their students are in classes. It's crazy. So, an estimated 32,000 teachers and staff members in the L.A. area hit the picket lines this week, demanding lower class sizes, higher salaries, and more counselors and nurses in over a 1,000 schools. So, we always talk about teacher salaries, and yes, that's an important part of it, but... um, my The kid I take care of, his kindergarten teacher from last year, wrote this really amazing thing in the uh, L.A. paper saying that, yes, a higher salary would be great. I didn't go into this job to make a ton of money. I knew what I was getting into. I did this to sculpt the minds of young children. And she talks mostly about, like, the large class sizes. Like, you will have a class sometimes of 50 children. Right, which how are you supposed to give an adequate education to that many children? You can't. They don't have enough counselors. They have a school nurse there once a week. Which is insane. Insane. It's How absolutely are, Like, insane. why have her there at all, to be honest? Yeah, and when she's there, she's there for a day. She's doing all administrative work. She doesn't really have time to take care of children. And so she's saying, you know, I'll have a kindergartner so sick curled up in the corner of my classroom because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. You know, it's like we need our school nurses. We need our counselors. We have such a rise in issues when it comes to mental health Mm -hmm. and bullying and suicide that we need these counselors that are there for children whenever they need them. And it's just not there. So, yes, a higher salary for teachers has always been an important issue. But there's also all these other things that we need to look at that are just completely, uh, to me, no-brainers. Like, I always had a school nurse. Right. I think when well, I was in, like, middle school, they had, like, one of those every-other-day kind of nurses. You should have a school nurse every day because yeah. you can't determine when you're going to become sick. And, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, if a yeah. kid breaks his wrist, I mean, obviously you need to take him to the hospital at that point. Yeah. But what are you doing in the interim? Right. If you're a teacher and you have—let's if you, let's say you have a class of 50 students and one of your students is sick or injured— what are you supposed to do? Right, you have exactly. All, you have forty nine other lives that you have to take. And care your of as expertise well. is not dealing with sick kids. Nope, at all. Not at all. So their students have basically refused to go to school. A lot of them, and because there's such a lack of staff, students are basically being held like in the auditorium or in the library in like these large clumps. That's basically like a big study hall, and they're not getting any real learning done. And especially taking care of a six-year-old, it's like he is right now working on the fundamentals. He's learning how to read. He's learning, you know, basic math, things like that. These are things that's going to lead him into second grade, third grade, and beyond. These are, like, really important times. You know what I mean? And it's like I am not qualified to make sure that adequate learning is happening when I'm at home with him. You know what I mean? And that's what's frustrating to me because even if he were to go to school, he's not, there's no real learning going on. It's like a daycare center. Right. You know what I mean? And it doesn't help the school in any way to have students there. I mean, it helps the school. It doesn't help the teachers in any way to have students there. And I understand how frustrating it must be, especially for lower income families um, who have to go to work or, yeah. you know, cannot be with their kids to not be able to have them at school or at least not be yeah. able to have them at school and have them And I think that's mostly learning. the students that are going are, are parents that don't have any other options for places for their kids to go during the right. day. Um, but at the same time, this 
it's ridiculous that these teachers need to be striking at all. It's ridiculous yeah. that we aren't treating our educators better. Yeah. Like, these are the people who are helping to mold the next generation. Exactly. And we pay them far below, far, far, far below the national average. Yeah. And then on top of that, we ask them to pay for all of the things in their classroom. Yeah. Like, yeah. they that, they cover all of that out of pocket. Exactly. And now we've changed the tax laws in such a way, to my understanding, that they won't be able to write off a lot of that stuff. Yeah, that they're which feeling, is ridiculous. They're, they're filling the classroom with. So it's... I understand why they're on strike, and I support their strike. You know, I think that it's been a long time coming. Uh-huh. They need more. They need more money. They need yeah. more help. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So these are kind of, like, the main issues right now. So... How much money to spend on more school staffing, teacher raises, and whether the district actually has the kind of money to make these changes. Um, It's noted that the district doesn't have the money to make these changes, although there have been people saying, like, that's bullshit. They have this money. It's going elsewhere. LAUSD has offered $130 million toward the union wants, but UCLA rejected the proposal. And and UCLA says the district the district should tap into the one point eight billion dollars in reserves to fund more staff members and increase teachers' pay. The superintendent says that money is already earmarked for education spending during the three year budget cycle. But UCLA president Alex Caputo Pearl says the district's three year projections have always been wrong. Three years ago, they predicted a hundred and five million dollar reserve. They ended with a one point eight eighty six billion dollar reserve. They were off by $1.7 billion. So there is, like, these inequities in what the sides are saying and, like, where the money's going and how much money there is. But it is frustrating because it's, like, it's almost been a week. Tomorrow will be day five. And there's really been no progress made. And there's been some attempts of, like, negotiating. Um, and for me, it's, like, when is this going to end? Because it's, like, these kids are going to have to go into summer school. Like, these absences are really hurting everybody. Like, somebody has got to give. And, like, we were talking about this before the episode, how much it kind of relates to the government shutdown. Right. And how it's, like, either neither side is really willing to give, which I completely understand it from the teacher's standpoint, because it's, like, we've given so much. What else do you want from right. us? You know? But it is so hard because it's, like... It's throwing off the lives of so many families in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, yeah, I I completely uh, agree with that, and I definitely see that. Um, but I do feel like we undervalue education 100%. in this country in such a way that is, it's really disturbing yeah. how little we seem to care. And I know that there was an argument going around, and I I didn't read up too much on this, but I know that there was an argument going around that so much school, uh, so much funding is going to things like charter schools. Yeah. Um, because the state can make money off of charter schools in a exactly. way that they can't off of public schools. Yeah. And so once again, we're seeing kids who maybe don't have opportunities to go to charter schools. Yeah. Being punished yeah um well and like it's even i mean he goes to a charter school like they are he's you know the teachers are striking there too right but i mean like funding wise because they're basically saying like you don't matter because we can't make money off of you so so what if you have to use books that are Mm -hmm. 10 years old like so what um if we have to cut your cafeteria funding or you know cut your programs or not give you as many extracurricular activities not allow you to have the same kinds of opportunities we're not not allowing children who need an equal chance as everybody else to be able to get a proper education and have a good future because you never know 
who your child is going to be that you're teaching in right. school. So I mean, you need to give every child an equal opportunity because any one of them could make such a difference. In yes, the world. and and also like we need to be valuing our teachers because these teachers, how are we supposed to get? what we need out of them if they're burnt out all the time. Yeah. Like, if they're tired all the time, how are they supposed to be able to teach our children well? Yeah. You know, if they're not getting their basic needs met. I know teachers who work other jobs to make extra income, which is insane. Yeah. You're already working over you, full time. Yeah, you have to you're going home and doing work, you right. know, you're You're coming in early and papers. doing work. Yeah, you're working with kids after school before school. Right. So, yeah. it's just like it's insane to me that that we treat our teachers the way we do. And I really hope that, um, you know, the city is able to come to some kind of agreement. Yeah. I mean, because there I'm, is money there. We right allocate now I'm like, funds. Fuck, I want my life to go back to normal. I, I, I we know. Need, we need somebody to give. But at the same time, like, I'm willing to. The city you know, needs to reallocate funds they do. into they really education. Do. There, they do. There needs to be a an importance on education, 100%. Yeah. So there's my spiel. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so. Monday night, the Clemson University Tigers went to the White House because I knew you were going to talk about this. Oh, yes. I couldn't not. I couldn't not. You couldn't not. Because it's fucking hilarious. Um, I mean, I feel bad for the Clemson Tigers, honestly. I know. But so the Tigers, they won the National College Football Championship after not having to play. Ohio State. And so they had a traditional meeting with the president where they would usually go. They would have a lovely catered meal. All of these young men were dressed in suits and tuxes. (laughs) Of course they are. Because they were going to meet the president. Of course. And he served them McDonald's McDonald's. and Wendy's and Domino's, which no hate. No I fucking love that shit. He just wanted to give them some hamburgers. Hamburgers? That was the he- that was the headline of he my notes. Just wants to give them hamburgers. Oh my gosh. Okay. So so again, I'm a fast food junkie. I I know that that shit is garbage. I eat it anyway. Whatever. Exactly. However, if I showed up in a goddamn formal gown to the White House <laughs> and they served me fucking cold ass Big Macs, I'd be like, Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I'm like, Donald, you have a restaurant, do you not? Well. I'm not sure if he does, but I'm like, you are not only the president, but you are a self-proclaimed billionaire. Yeah. Because and basically... he's like, I paid for all of these myself. Right. It's I'm like, whoopty freaking fucking do. congratulations. <laughs> um, so he came out and said, because the Democrats refused to... I hate the way that he's managed to do this. Anyway, because the Democrats refused to negotiate on border security... Um, Oh, this is from Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh. Much of the resident staff at the White House is furloughed, so the president is personally paying for the event to be catered with some of his favorite fast foods, or everyone's favorite fast foods. Also his, I'm sure. Um, My question is, like, if you have so much money, honey... Honey... Get some Wolfgang Puck up in there. I mean, also, it's like, you could go and get a Big Mac any day, anytime. Yeah, they're college students. This is what they can afford. They eat this stuff all the time, I'm sure. So, for you to be, like, feeding them fucking the stuff that they could go buy themselves... Like, it yeah. was such a weird image to see these guys in suits with plates that had cardboard 
Yeah. Like, you know, containers Boxes, that yeah. had Big Macs in them. I was just like, what the fuck, It was, man? like, cafeteria style. Like, <laughs> And then for him to be like, oh, the government shut down, so we don't have enough White House staff to feed them here at the White House. And I'm like, have something else catered then. What? What are you doing? Yeah. That's um, bullshit. But yes. That's then such bullshit. From what we were saying, um, at first the president was like, we have over 300 hamburgers here. And then when he tweeted about it later. It became a thousand. It became a thousand. And this idiot misspelled hamburgers. And he's like, we have, we had over a thousand hamburgers. hamburgers. <laughs> I love hamburgers. Oh, God. Oh, God. So this I is what, what we're living in now. Now I really want Chipotle. Oh, fuck yeah. I think I'm going to have to get Chipotle on the way home. I actually really want Taco Bell, but um, I don't want to leave my house again. I could Postmates it. I did Postmates Taco Bell drunk the other night. Love you. No regrets. Love you. (laughs) The families of of the Sandy Hook shooting victims have won a legal victory in a lawsuit against Alex Jones. That's great. So that is amazing. Um, Alex Jones, of course, perpetrated this lie on his... um, Radio show Infowars, he perpetrated this conspiracy theory that it was all fake and it was um, like a, a conspiracy. A conspiracy that yeah. the government had put on to attack the, the child actors, right? To attack yeah. the NRA. What, what, what were they called? The the victim actors or the crisis, crisis actors? actors. Right. Yeah, yeah. So because of this, the families of the victims, some of some of them had to move mm-hmm. because they were receiving death threats. Can mm-hmm. you imagine? Losing your six-year-old, like your six-year-old dying in one of the most horrific mm-hmm. ways that they possibly could die, and then having to leave your home because people are saying that you are a liar, they're threatening your life, they're yeah. attacking your children's gravestones, um, and all That's other ridiculous. manner of insane, terrible things. Um, so this is kind of the first step. Um, it's not the end Right, uh, but by it's, any means. it's some sort of progress. But it is it is some progress. Jones' uh, attorneys have said that this... Okay, this is what they said. These attorneys also, I'm like, some of you guys are like the worst. Yeah, it's like, how do you sleep? How? How? I mean, <laughs> on your piles of cash. Yeah, clearly. But um, so J- Jones' attorney said, plaintiffs have suffered a horrible tragedy. Well, not according to Alex Jones, but... yeah. Alex Jones and InfoWars are not responsible for this tragedy. To punish them for First Amendment-protected speech on this matter of public concern will not bring back the lives lost. Shut up. Shut up. These people's lives that's were... Not what they're, that's not what they're That's not what they're asking to get. for. They, yeah. you they're don't not think, asking for the child's lives back. They're asking for you to stop spreading lies that are ruining their lives. Do you that not they're trying to rebuild after tragedy. They're acutely aware. They're reminded every fucking day of their lives yeah, that they're their not getting no their kid back. Like, they know that. Yeah. But you brought them such incredible and immense pain and suffering. Yeah. Um... That you owe them something for you that. Do. You you took something else from their lives. Yeah. Uh, so we can at least it's it's kind of positive to know that um, the justice system and the law is seeing it that way, and yeah. they did win their first. That's good. Their first court hearing. So that is good. Yeah. So you guys. Tonight, Keegan and I are recording our anniversary episode. Yes. Um, so that will be up on Monday for all of you guys to listen to. We're going to be answering all of your burning questions that you sent us. And we are so thankful for all the questions that we got. We're so thankful for the year that we've had. 
Um, so I just wanted to remind everybody that episode is coming out on Monday. Yay! Enjoy it. Love it. Have fun with it. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist if you have any sort of stories, coming out stories, sister solidarity stories, just want to send us something, ideas for episodes, anything that you want to communicate to us, you can catch us on Instagram or you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Feel free to follow us on Twitter, which is Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. You can find us on Radio Public and listen to us there. Um, we have a Facebook business page and group page where you guys can communicate with each other. Yeah, it's way out of order this week. Now I'm like, I'm really disoriented. Rate what and I'm review. Doing. Rate and review, please, on iTunes. It helps us so much. And we will put it up on Reviews Day Tuesday on Instagram. Yeah. And that's super cool. We really appreciate it. So with all that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.